the shot. This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, the Premier League Game Show podcast coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm your host, James Rose, and today I'm joined with the chairman of the KC Spurs fan group, the man who spins pottery for Stoke fans and who prefers Pepsi over Coke. Perhaps true. It's Jared Bustamente. How are you, bud? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm just great. Thanks for asking. And from the red corner, he's the chairman of the Arsenal KC fan group, the man who spent $31 on an Uber to see a dog named Peeves and who's still feeling the effects of his Guna our adventure it's boyce richardson how are you bud i'm well sir i'm just checking the beer i just poured into my glass on untapped i'll be back in a second <laughs> perfect keep it fresh keep it interesting uh quick announcement before we uh before we kick off with this uh for all our listeners who are based in the kansas city area there will be a joint watch party for the upcoming north london derby uh yes strange days brewing are hosting the event Saturday, February the 10th, bright and early at 6.30 a.m. So come along, drink, support, and be suitably merry. We may also be in attendance. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Right, quickly then to this week's social media trivia question. Uh, The question this week was, which player scored the fastest goal in FA Cup final history as Chelsea beat Everton 2-1 in 2009? Tough one, guys. We think we know it. Uh, 2009, uh, Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba isn't right. Boys, any guess? Frank Lampard. Good guess too. Incorrect. Believe it or not, trick question. It was Louis Saha for Everton. Scored it in 25 seconds and gave Everton the 1-0 lead, but sadly it counted for little as Chelsea ended up lifting the trophy. 2-1, hashtag Toffee Tragedy tragic uh right let's quickly move on then to the top four game we're going to start off with fa cup slash premier league mixer this week again the game where our contestants try to figure out which stories and games were the most discussed jared takes the lead this week so jared what do you think made the top four oh let's see um i think i've got one and two and i'm trying to think which way we're going to go. Um, I'm going to stick with FA Cup. Let boys talk about what he wants to talk about. Uh, you think and, I want to talk about that? You think it brings me joy or pleasure? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll give you the, I'll give you the lead on it. Uh, I want to talk about West Brom over Liverpool, 3-2, to two, in particular the excessive use of video assistant refereeing. You would be correct, sir, on all counts. Yes, that gets you the four points this week, because that took the top spot. Two early goals from Jay Rodriguez uh, stun the Anfield faithful as their team are subsequently eliminated from the FA Cup. West Brom, let's start with them, just to kind of mix things up again. Uh, now I'm beaten in four. Uh, Jared, do you think Alan Pardew has, has brought life to this team? Do you think he's going to... Uh, save them from relegation? What do we think? One of the things I noticed with this West Brom squad is they, uh, they certainly capitalized on every opportunity uh, that, was, that was given to them and stayed competitive. There, uh, there were a couple of balls that fell their way, uh, particularly some, actually some pretty poor defending from uh, the 75 million pound man and Virgil van Dijk uh, in <laughs> yep. that back forward, gifting Jay Rodriguez a, a, a goal in that first half. 
but uh, you know, you gotta you gotta take advantage of all the opportunities that are given to you. And West Brom certainly did that. I really think this was kind of the universe writing itself with the use of the, of the video assistant referee with both the offside call on uh, Dawson's first goal, uh, hmm. as well as the penalty call uh, on on Mo Salah. Um, how both players ended up scoring in the match. So in reality, uh, I think it all comes out in the wash. But uh, I, I think West Brom were, uh, you know, they, they did survive. They did benefit from a, uh, uh, a poor Firmino uh, uh, from the spot. And, uh, uh, and they got the job done. But, mm. you know, it, it certainly wasn't without some gifts from Liverpool. Boys, we have a team here in Liverpool who beat Man City in one week. And then all of a sudden they flopped to West Brom. Where's, the, where's that consistency from them? Do you, do you think they needed... Maybe some more action in this transfer market? What do you think? You know, I would have thought that the addition of Virgil van Dijk would have been enough to stabilize that defense at least a little bit. The idea of conceding three goals to West Brom is is almost unfathomable this campaign. And the idea that Roberto Firmino giveth and he taketh away. Um, <laughs> missing a penalty kick that he obviously should have scored. And I think in some ways, Jurgen Klopp has managed to get a little bit of a pass throughout the last few campaigns about his inability to bring any sort of trophy to Liverpool outside of the top four finish, which is one of those situations where he's now out of the League Cup, they're out of the FA Cup, they're still in the Champions League, but this team isn't winning the Champions League, and they're not going to win the Premier League. So you're talking about another campaign where Jurgen Klopp does the top four accomplishment, but doesn't manage to get them anywhere else. And there's a question about whether or not they can put it all together for an entire season long enough to be able to actually bring some hardware back to Merseyside. And I'm not sure that they can. There doesn't seem to be any stability in this team right now, except for Mo Salah scoring a ton of goals. But even at that, you get a goal from Mo Salah, you get a goal from Roberto Firmino, you score two goals against a West Brom team that two goals should unquestionably be enough to beat. And yet in the end, you still lose. And it's hard to see whether or not Jurgen Klopp is even really phased by this. And I guess Liverpool fans might either appreciate that or be disappointed by it. But when you look at Jurgen Klopp, when they went out of the FA Cup, he really seemed a little nonplussed. Like it wasn't something that was really concerning to him, as opposed to somebody like Arsene Wenger, who has invested a lot in the FA Cup. Mm. But in the end, if he's not winning the League Cup and he's not winning the FA Cup, I'm not sure what other cup or what other competition Liverpool set up to win in the coming years. Um, right, let's swiftly move on. We have, boys, second, third, and fourth spot still to guess. So what do you think? Just for my own edification, I'm going to assume we are including today's matches. Yes, we in are. In this particular discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> not to, uh, not that I'm trying to escape that particular function. Um, <laughs> I will guess some sort of combination of Arsenal's loss to Swansea and the Obama Yang transfer ordeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, made the top four. Uh, you'll be correct, sir. Yes, that took second spot. And I actually did combine these two because originally it was just the Aubameyang transfer, but why not throw in the Arsenal result too? Uh, that'll get you the three points. Arsenal stunned by the Swans today, thanks in part to Petr Cech's clearance of the season. Final score being 3-1. to one. Um, Boyce Gunners' away form has been pretty wretched. They've only got two wins from 11 in all competitions when they've played away from home, why can't they find that consistency again? Kind of like Liverpool. I mean, they got four goals in 22 minutes last week. Where was that play this time round? What's going on? I honestly think 
although the easy answer would be either on the offensive end or the defensive end, that it's definitely in the midfield. There's no consistency consistency there. And generally, when you're playing away, you need a solid, solid midfield. And we simply don't have it. At this point, it appears that Arsene Wenger is just instructing everybody that's in the midfield, which today was deceptively Mohamed Al-Nini along with Aaron Ramsey and Granite Xhaka to just go run around. There's no structure. There's no positioning. There doesn't appear to be anything resembling a tactic. So when you're watching them go forward, they're all over the place. And there's not even necessarily somebody that's waiting behind. So there's no protection in front of the back two or the back four from anyone in the midfield. And today was a pretty sterling example of what happens because on the offensive end, when Aaron Ramsey and Granite Xhaka and Mohamed Al-Nini were all in the offensive third, it was so congested that even Mesut Ozil really couldn't get a pass anywhere. Mm. He had a beautiful, beautiful pass to Nacho Monreal that was actually a very class finish for a left back in this league. And then for the rest of the match, they were so compact and so congested that Arsenal couldn't actually get anything done. And the away form, you could chalk it up to those monstrosities of blue away jerseys that we have. Our secondaries are absolutely <laughs> abhorrent. But it's it's not just that. It's, it is apparent and has been discussed on this podcast over and over and over again that tactically Arsene Wenger just does not have it anymore. And no Aubameyang transfer bringing in Mkhitaryan today, who still looks like he needs a little bit of time. None of that is going to fix what is wrong. <laughs> I think my compatriot that runs Gunner blog tweeted out something today that was like, offensive transfer, defensive transfer, the only transfer that's going to matter for this Arsenal team is when Arsene Wenger leaves. Mm. Yeah, isn't that the truth, perhaps? But uh, hey, like I said before, we'll see if he stays another six years. Um, Jared, let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about Swansea. Uh, we have obviously spoken about them before. Um, under their new manager, they're now, uh, they've now beaten, obviously, two of the top six teams in quick succession. Are we thinking, you know, strong survival here? You know, really fomenting that position maybe mid-table? Is that a little ambitious to say of this team? Kind of what we were just talking about with West Brom. I mean, they've also been dragon slayers of late. And part of that is, like West Brom, they jumped on mistakes. Um, I... I disagree a little bit with Boyce uh, uh, as far as, you know, tactics versus uh, just individual mental errors and a lack of focus. Uh, that Arsenal uh, uh, defense was sixes and sevens today. Uh, and uh, Swansea took advantage of it. Uh, again, you need a little bit, a little bit of something to go your way. And Petrček is not going to do that probably ever again. Uh, so it happens. You take advantage of it and you move on. Um so if they can stay focused and they can, you know, make luck fall their way, then sure. And anything's possible. I know we, we've said time and time again, this is a race to the bottom this year. Mm. Um, uh, and talking, you know, before about, you know, uh, squads like Watford, uh, uh, who, you know, they're sitting 10th, but, you know, only a handful of points uh, from the drop zone. So really it's going to be who is going to hit the right momentum at the right time, almost uh, uh, NCAA basketball tournament style, mm. and, uh, and, and secure their spot for next year. Yeah, it's like you keep saying, it really is a race to the bottom. I mean, those teams are really close together, but uh, time will tell. Uh, right, we are back with you, Jared. We have third and fourth spots still to guess. So what do you think? Oh, uh, let's see. I'm going to go with... Do we want to talk about MK Dons and Coventry? No, I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Spurs drawing away 
to uh, what looked like playing in just the middle of a swamp at uh, at Newport County, plus the transfer of Lucas Mora from uh, PSG. Uh, you'll be correct. Yes, uh, the Newport County Spurs game was the the leading topic there, and that made the third spot. So that'll get you the two points. Final score, of course, being one one, and Newport County almost shocked the English soccer realm but were peg-backed by an unmarked Harry Kane in the 80th minute. Um, Jared Spurs arguably were absent in that first half, um, but obviously came back stronger in the second. Do you think there was a presumption that they were just going to go there and easily take the win and not even kind of think about decent strategy? Or was it just, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like bad, uh, you know, playing surface? Uh, What was the deal with them? (laughs) I am certainly not going to blame the playing surface, uh, and I got to tip my cap to uh, uh, Newport County squad. That that squad played their hearts out. Short answer, James, I don't know. I would typically say yes, they were sleepwalking through it. Uh, there was no plan. There was nothing yet. I believe you and I uh, were scratching our heads when we noticed that Harry Kane was in the lineup away, the yeah. Newport County. I'm thinking, okay, well, we're doing this. And then you have him next to Bulldozer, that is Fernando Llorente out there. And I just, I, I don't know. There was no semblance of him, but Kyle Walker-Peters was simply getting worked up and down by some guy. I wish I could remember his name. Mm-hmm. Good for you. <laughs> uh, but it is no coincidence that things turned around with the introduction of Longman's son uh, and Deli Alley. Uh, eventually, they just decided to stop messing around, put the pedal down. And even then, uh, I, I got to tell Newport County, you know what, you guys did a great job. But there's one guy on the the island of England, uh, of, of you know, the UK British House, you cannot leave unmarked at the back post. It's Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh, and they did it. And that's a bummer. Uh, but what it does, I think it further, it only complicates things for Spurs. Uh, you know, despite having a lot of guys coming back from injury, you're now talking about an FA Cup replay in the middle of this already bruising couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, that kicks off tomorrow. Uh, uh, against Manchester United. So mm-hmm. the last thing they needed was a replay. And I I really hope that uh, uh, we have the likes of Danny Rose, Toby Alderweireld all back uh, uh, so we can, you know, rotate that squad in and have some good showings. Mm-hmm. That really is, like we talked about before, it really is a tough run for them in the next few, uh, few days. But, uh, boys, do you see Spurs progressing this year in terms of FA Cup performance uh, based on this, obviously, what we saw do you think there's anything that can suggest they could possibly challenge for the FA Cup this year? Or are we still seeing a team that are a little bit falling short of that mark? I think it's going to be a matter of what Maurizio Pochettino prioritizes for the rest of the campaign. I think as we've seen, he seems to be placing a, a large level of priority with respect to the FA Cup by placing Harry Kane in their last two matches against teams that Spurs unquestionably should have dominated. Mm-hmm. But that's the beautiful nature of the FA Cup. I do Spurs have the talent to be able to challenge? Certainly. I think they have the com- core components to be able to challenge almost any team in the Premier League, bar Manchester City. But when you get to the end, assuming they don't see them over a two-leg tie, it- it's one of those situations where I-, I think Spurs can compete with anybody. I think they have the opportunity to be able to take a trophy in. And if Pochettino thinks, listen, we're not going to win the Champions League this year, but maybe we have a chance at the FA Cup, you know, that's a strategy that's certainly viable. It would bring an opportunity for a trophy to Tottenham, and that's certainly something that every fan base would like. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to the point now where Tottenham fans are all like, come on, we've been building this momentum. Maybe it's time for a trophy, but uh, we'll have to see when that time yes. comes. 
Yes, <laughs> yes. that is right. Jared is like correct. Right, let's move on then. Uh, we've got one more to guess, boys. Uh, it is fourth spot. Uh, what do you think? So I've been having a little bit of difficulty with this one. I, I think it's either the Chelsea match or the Man City one. I'm going to go with Manchester City's 2-0 win this weekend, coupled with Pep Guardiola's sort of meltdown about um, reverse ties during FA Cup draws. It was not on the list, unfortunately, no. And uh, I, was, I was surprised too. Uh, so, Jared, we're going to swing back to you. Can you get it? Well, well then we'll go with the, uh, let's see, Sheffield United, Preston North. No, not that one. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Chelsea 3-0 over Newcastle. That'll do it. Yeah, boys had it, <laughs> but picked the wrong one. Um, yes, it was the Chelsea. Again, surprisingly, uh, Chelsea crushing Newcastle's FA Cup dreams, the final score being 3-0. I haven't spoken much about Newcastle, so uh, Boyce, we'll start with you on this one. Um, they've only won two of their last ten, and they've kind of flown under the radar in terms of this race to the bottom. Is there a potential relegation worry for this team? Um, what do we think? I certainly think that this factors into the discussion that we were having earlier about the race to the bottom. I mean, they have Benitez, who has a proven track record with getting teams to at least out of the relegation zone. So they have a competent management, but I'm not necessarily sure that they have their roster required to be able to keep up with this battle, especially when teams that you aren't necessarily expecting to get points keep getting points. Mm. You know, it's one of those situations where it's all well and good to say that it's a race to the bottom, and that's definitely true as far as this campaign is concerned. But it's also true that random sides have been winning random games. And as of right now, you're talking about a four-point difference between 20th and 14th. And Newcastle set at 23 points, which is, you know, that's where Stoke are as well. It's just a matter of goal difference right now. So mm-hmm. fortunately, Newcastle, they're in a position where they've got plus 15 on Stoke right now, which Stoke's only going to race further to the bottom. So I think they might be secure there. But if West Brom and Southampton get it together, I think there's definitely a chance that Newcastle could be relegated. It's just a matter of schedule and whether or not they can do... The same that their counterparts have been doing. They've got Burnley tomorrow. It's actually in Newcastle on the time, so it's a, a match that they could potentially win. They have Palace away, Bournemouth away. You know, they've got matches that are coming up, but those are the ones that they have to win. In the event that they start seeding points to Southampton or West Brom in their upcoming matches, they could be in trouble. Um, Jared, we talk of, well, we've heard rumors about Chelsea still wanting a a striker who's maybe seven foot tall. Do you think they still need any more players in general to, to join the team? Or do you think they're, they're kind of set? I, yes, you do. I mean, we, we've been talking about, you know, uh, the idea that Eden Hazard, uh, as a special player as he is, uh, kind of can't do it himself. And uh, as far as looking for targets, uh, we've talked about Murata, uh, uh, you know, flashing onto the scene. And then uh, as teams have kind of started to figure him out, uh, specifically bodying up, things like that, um, uh, you know, perhaps an Olivier Giroud can help them out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, which make boys so sad. It's great for you to have that, have a Chelsea player speak your wedding voice. It's really great. <laughs> you need to amend your profile for that. Uh, so I think what we're looking at is, uh, again, uh, you know, to kind of echo boys, you got a Newcastle squad. who's just not very impressive right now. So I'm, I'm hesitant to say that. Uh, uh, Chelsea is kind of right of the ship with a 3 0 win uh, here against a side of that quality. But um, I think they will still look to add and look to challenge uh, at least for a second. 
Uh, right, so we're going to swiftly move on. Uh, now, in the spirit of the transfer window closing soon, we're going to replay a game we tried a couple of weeks ago. It is, of course, Transfer United. Uh, so here's a quick reminder of how it works. I'm going to list a current Premier League player. All you guys have to do is guess their transfer fee in pounds. The player closest to the actual amount gets the two points. All right, so, Boyce, you're going to get this first one. Um, first player is Sergio Aguero. 29-year-old Argentinian striker who moved to Man City back in 2011. But for how much? We doing dollars or pounds? We're doing pounds. All in pounds this time. Yen. We're doing it in yen. Doing it in yen. We're doing it. <laughs> Drachma. <laughs> uh, I am going to go with 40 million pounds. 40 million. All right, Jared, what do you think? Ah, this is just an example of just how ridiculous transfers are nowadays um i'm gonna go i think it might have been a little more i'm gonna go with 50 million pounds 50 million the actual answer was 38 million so boys two away um so nice work on that one boys you get the two points uh jared eric lamella the hip reborn spurs winger who moved to the club after the sale of gareth bale but how much did Tottenham pay for him? Oh, goodness. I'm going to say, I even hesitate to say 20. Uh, let's say 20. 20 million pounds. 20 million. All right, Boyce, what do you think? This has put me in an absolutely terrible position where I think that Jared might have lowballed him, but I don't want to acknowledge that anybody paid money for Eric Lamella. Um, <laughs> It'd be nice to Coco. Was that, uh, that was definitely part of the bail money, I think. Daniel Levy went nuts. I'm going to go with more money. So uh, 30, 30 million. 30 million. Boyce just takes it because the actual number is 25.8. So Good Boyce... gracious. <laughs> by, by the point eight, Boyce gets the two points on that one. This next one's with you. It's Eden Hazard, the Belgian attacking midfielder who moved to Chelsea in 2012. How much did Chelsea pay for him? Eden Hazard. 30... Five million pounds. Thirty-five. Okay, Jared. I need points. Uh, Thirty-six million pounds. <laughs> oh man, this breaks my heart. Boyce has it again. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, 30, <laughs> Thirty-two million was the final fee that he went for. Boyce is steamrolling it. Um, Good, another two points for Jared. him. But Jared, this last one. Uh, is it Jared next? I think it is. Uh, we'll give it to Jared. What the hell? Uh, Mesut Özil. The German midfielder who once played for Real Madrid made his move to the Gunners in 2013. How much did Wenger and his merry men reportedly pay for him? I think Boyce might have this tattooed on his body, so this is still not fair. Um, <laughs> 46 million pounds. 46. All right. Uh, Boyce, what do you think? 42.5 million pounds. That is scary. That is insanely scary that I feel like there should be bonus points for being right on the money. 42.5 is the actual number. Wow. Did you, how did you, did you just know that? Like, you just I had told that you, it's tattooed on his body. Tattooed, is it, I mean, seriously though, like, do you just have that in your back of your head or something? <laughs> I, yes. It was a watershed moment in the recent history of Arsenal Football Club. So, unquestionably... Log to memory. Log to memory. Love it. Good stuff. Right, let's swiftly move on then to our last game. Uh, We're going to play another round of team profile. Uh, So once again, I'll be giving you five clues to different FA Cup teams. 
Each of these teams, of course, play in the fixtures, but may not all be Premier League teams. As always, the first person to shout in and correctly guess said team wins the two points. But you only get one guess, as an incorrect shot does freeze you out. All right, guys, you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This first team is a second division team. They are nicknamed the Exiles. Jared. Yes, Jared. Newport County. Newport County is absolutely correct. Nice work on that one. Uh, The other clues were based in South Wales, led with a single goal for the majority of the game, and then tied with Spurs over the weekend. But nice work, Jared. Um, Next one is a current Premier League team. Were sadly knocked out over the weekend. They moved to a new stadium in 2016. Jared. Yes, Jared. West Ham. West Ham is absolutely correct. Yes. And the other clues were once managed by Sam Allardyce, currently managed by David Moyes. So that, again, might have helped. But yes, that gets you the two points. And team number three is not currently a Premier League team. They're currently known as the Posh. They are located in Cambridgeshire. This is where we see who can Google the fastest. Uh, A championship team. Division team, that is. And they lost to Leicester over the weekend. Jared. Yes, Jared. Petersburg. Petersburg. It's absolutely correct. Nice. Under protest. Incorrectly enunciated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Peterborough is, is if you were from that area, how you pronounce it. But anyway, we'll take it. It counts. Um, Last one then uh, of the game. This team won their game over the weekend. The score was 1-0 in their favor. They typically Jared. Play... Yes, Jared. I don't know why I did that. Oh uh, no. This uh... could this could cost him. <laughs> Going to have to employ the 3-second rule for an answer. Uh let's go with Coventry. Oh no, Coventry is incorrect and that freezes you out. Ah. Um, <laughs> the last clues. Boyce, they play at the Amex Stadium. They're a current Premier League team and they're known as the Seagulls. Oh no. Boyce is now wondering. I am indeed wondering. Ooh. Uh, Brighton and Hove. Brighton and Hove is absolutely correct. Got it there. Ooh, had me worried for a minute, but got the two points. So once again, exciting as it is, calm your nerves, guys, we're going for another tiebreaker. And, of course, the way we did it last time, I'm going to choose a Premier League table from a previous year, and I'm going to give it to Jared this time to start us off. So, Jared, in the year 2013, which team finished third in the in year the... Tw- Yep, in the year 2013. 2012, 2013, or 2013, 2014? Good question, and the answer is 2012 to 2013. No Googling. <laughs> 12 13 EPL table as he types uh, it in god uh Chelsea Chelsea is absolutely correct <laughs> finally he took the win Jared finally got it Good recovery on that too. I think you really stole it there on that team profile. But yes, Chelsea was the team that came third in that year and that gives you the win and believe it or not the series is now tied once again, six points apiece. Jared, what do you think? Oh, well, I, I think not unlike uh, Swans and West Brom, I am trending upwards. <laughs> Love it. 
love it. All right, uh, boys, any any last remarks? <laughs> Spurs fans do love a draw. Spurs, oh wow, sting! Oh, that'll, that'll hurt for a while. Anyway, uh, that's all we have time for today. Best wrap it up there. Uh, big thanks once again to Jerry Bustamante and Boyce Richardson. Uh, as always, check out our website at kickflag.com and our other social media platforms, facebook.com slash kickcornerflag and our Twitter page at kickcornerflag. Any final words, guys? Until next week, sir. Until next weekend, boys. There's always the League Cup. There's always the League Cup. Certainly is. Thanks for listening, guys. Take it easy. Have a good week. And bye-bye.